Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inspired, row by row. Gonna make this garden grow. Come on around back Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the house. Where it's the third Saturday of the month already. We have Jay Harper in, Master Gardener and the Farm's Choice. And we're talking the gift of plants today, but we're also taking your calls, questions, texts, emails, whatever form of communication you prefer. Dial in numbers one 767 that's triple eight Rosie for you. Text can be sent to four one one nine two three, or you can email info at rosieonthehouse.com to join the conversation. And I'll admit, I am really late on everything. I just got a tree last night. Well, what happened? Even be, what happened? Won't even be decorating. I mean, until Christmas is tomorrow night. We're a week away, and it's like what? What? Huh? It was Thanksgiving like an hour ago. Like, guess what, kids? Everyone gets daddy's love for Christmas because that's all I had time for. <laughs> what? Yeah, what the heck happened? I mean, I know it's just, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, um, I think we're all in the same boat. Life's, life's too busy and it just gets away from us. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, there's, there's one thing about that. You get the Christmas tree up. You, you darn sure know if you're getting a good one or not right now. If you're buying a, a, a fresh cut tree, it's he, easy, easy to tell if it's still fresh or not. The lot manager said, if you follow this printout that we have, this should last you till Valentine. Like, well, we burn them in New Year's as a tradition, but, you know, great. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's good. Um, certainly, if you, you know, if you have a tree, make sure you're keeping it the stand full of water and don't have it by the fireplace or the heater or. Any Anywhere the ductwork's blowing Anywhere onto duct it. Anywhere the blowing onto it. Yeah, that's right. And we've had our ductwork blowing the last few days, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> it got cold. Every morning, I've you know, you got to start calculating that extra three or four minutes to let the defroster, you know, break the yeah the, the layer of well. And you drive around town, and you windshield. see you see the new the new uh, the new winter landscape design around town, right? Everybody's old sheets and blankets. <laughs> 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 Frost protection. Yeah, all that, all that, everything's draped in in twenty uh, year old sheets and blankets that we don't want to throw away because once every couple of years we got to use them to cover the plants up with. Um, so we got that going on, which is not that uncommon for right around Christmas, before or right after. That seems to be about the the time if we're going to get a, a really good deep. Frost or heavy freeze, it it seems like it's usually, you know, the week or so prior to Christmas up through maybe, well, January, any time in January. But, um, yeah, it's – so, it you know, it's Christmas and people are – you know, we went to a to some folks' house last night and we took them a poinsettia and the other couple brought a flower arrangement. So people are giving, you know, those kinds of things as, as uh, housewarming gifts, as, as uh, gifts that are a great value and – same same thing goes with with the things that we would give uh, as gifts in a plant as you'd want with your Christmas tree. Don't put it by a door that's opening and closing all the time. That's drafty. You know, don't put it by the heat register. Don't put it by the fireplace. Most of these plants, like poinsettias, the kind of the iconic Christmas plant, 
they're they're tropical or subtropical in nature. They're you know they're they're a something that would grow in the in the tropics of you know southern Mexico or Central America. So they don't like the cold and they don't like real extreme heat. They like humidity. Our houses are dry. The heater's running. It's drying the house out. Um, <clears throat> so kind of everything they don't like is what we're subjecting them to. <laughs> Uh, you'll see poinsettia is used outside a lot. You need to be a little bit careful when it's real cold with that. They, you know, they're not going to like that too well. Um, so, you know, make sure you're checking the moisture. Don't let them dry out too much. Keep them in a, you know, fairly bright place and, uh, uh, you know, away from any extremes, cold or heat, any drafts that are going to dry them out. Um <clears throat> And the poinsettia should last you longer than the Christmas tree. Oh, God, clear to, clear to Easter if you take good care. I mean, there's people that have, have them that are, you know, <clears throat> several years old. Um, they they do okay here outside. It's hard to find an ideal place for them to really thrive. But on a, you know, if you've got a protected patio in a pot, it's probably the best place for them to, for them to do well. <clears throat> But I generally suggest when they start looking pretty ratty in the spring is just get rid of them and get another one next year. I think that's the, the really the – they're never going to look like you like they look now. I mean you can't replicate that. Uh, you know, growers with greenhouses and temperature and light control and, they, you know, they cut them. You know, they take a cutting and plant it and grow it under ideal conditions. You're never going to duplicate that. It's never going to look like that again. So – Enjoy them for what they are. And <clears throat> Jay, do you think those seasonal plants, that it matters where you buy them? I, I do because uh, not so much because of maybe where they got them, but because how, how they might be cared for. Um, <clears throat> uh, you, you see, again, we talk about poinsettias in particular, and you go to certain places and they've got them outside in the cold, <laughs> out as you walk into the – garden center maybe in a display and you know if they're subjected to that kind of treatment before you take them home there's a chance that they're not going to do as well once you get them home uh, just like buying a fresh cut christmas tree that the, the ones that are kept in the shade under cover in a stand in water uh, are probably going to stay fresher longer than the ones that are you know piled up outside or leaned up on a on a uh, asphalt pavement parking lot, um, <clears throat> that isn't always the case. I mean, you know, but you know, just again, make sure they look good before you take them home, and uh, make sure they're not bone dry, and you know that they've been taking good care of them. So I think it's more of how they, and that can vary. You know, even with this in, in the same organization, you get somebody that's attentive and cares about their merchandise and taking care of it. You know, we used to have a saying in the nursery business: if you if you take care of your customers, they'll come back. And if you take care of your inventory, it won't. <laughs> nice. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot, too, when you're selling perishable merchandise to how it's cared for before you get it home. Now, I've heard that points that as kind of have a, a poisonous characteristic <clears throat> to them. Is that something I could just throw in the compost at the point it's done? Will that all – that won't affect anything I'm trying to grow in my garden if I compost it? No. Poinsettias are in a, in, you know, in a, in a group of plants that are euphorbias. They have a milky sap. 
and that sap is highly irritant. If you get it in your eyes or in sensitive parts of your body, it man, it can it can light you up. Um, I, if you ingested it, it would probably make you sick. Um, I but the the old wives tale for lack of a better word they probably get in trouble for saying that now don't we wives tale <laughs> um about it being poisonous and everything as well like, there's a lot of things that are poisonous that we have tomato plants are poisonous you know parts of lantana are poisonous there, you know the list of things that are quote unquote poisonous out there are pre- is pretty long oleanders you know there's all kinds of things poinsettias are not very high on that list it would take tons of it uh, to make you sick, but you know the, the the thing you want to be careful of, and you you don't want to create that sap anyway, because that means you're breaking a stem or a leaf off anyway. Um, but you could dry it out and compost. Yeah, it absolutely. Be just fine. Yeah, no, I don't have any issue. I don't think there'd be any issue with that once that sap's dried up and and you've composted and it's broken down. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not going to swear to this statement is true, but I've but I was told by a guy that was been doing compost a long time that basically the only thing you can't uh, remediate through composting is arsenic mm. that basically you get rid of everything else by you know, if it's well composted so I, I don't I don't think that's an issue at all and what about Christmas cactus those are a lot of fun you don't really see uh I haven't seen as much of them as I used to I don't know if it's just a trend that's yeah I don't know um but they do very well here. They're a very hardy indoor plant. They can last. I think I've told this story before. We had a customer that had one that was on its third or fourth generation. Been handed down that many times. I don't know. It was over a hundred years old. <laughs> um, and uh, that's a well cared for plant. Yeah. So yeah, they they're uh, they're they're neat and uh, and you know again they're kind of subtropical so you know they like bright light and they do cycle uh with with blooming and you've got to you've got to kind of force them to bloom at this time of year if you have one that's more than a year old otherwise they're probably going to want to bloom more in the springtime but um i think they're a they're kind of a treasure and you know you can buy them in smaller pots if you're looking for something that's a little less expensive than a 15 or 20 dollar poinsettia you can you can buy a little four-inch pot of uh, Christmas cactus for, I don't know, probably five or six bucks, and and uh, they're not near as finicky as a poinsettia. So if you got somebody that maybe isn't quite so good with plants, <laughs> the succulent Christmas, Christmas cactus. cactus. The other thing I've seen too are kind of cool. They're taking now um, rosemary and lavender plants and kind of shearing them up to make them look like little Christmas trees. And then somebody can have a, you know, if they don't want to keep it shaped like a Christmas tree, it's a neat little Christmas idea as a gift. And then they have a, you know, an herb they can stick in the garden or leave in a pot and put in the kitchen window. Or So if you got a, a, a somebody that likes to cook and you need to give a gift for that, that'd be a kind of a cool consideration. So Lavender and or rosemary. Yeah, I've seen them both done okay. where they've just kind of sheared them in so they're cone-shaped. Look like a little Christmas tree. Sometimes they got a few little decorations on them, and uh, and that that's kind of a neat thing to do. We don't have a lavender plant, but our rosemary was from a trimmed off branch of a rosemary plant in California mm-hmm. that we just stuck in a mason jar till it rooted, stuck it in a whiskey barrel, and that thing is 
Yeah, well, they yeah. get big, and they, they're a massive. They're a kind of a staple landscape shrub in 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 the Phoenix area. So, Lord rosemary everywhere, um, and lavender does reasonably well in the ground here too. Um, so, yeah, both of those would be great for even, you know, even somebody in an apartment or doesn't have a lot of room or space. A lot of people like to have herbs around that they can do some cooking with. <laughs> Topic today, the gift of plants. But we'll talk about anything you want to talk about at one 767 4348 That's one 888 for you for your landscape and garden. We've covered uh, poinsettias, Christmas, cactus. You were mentioning lavender and rosemary being trimmed up in the shape of a Christmas tree. Um, but what about like just a living plant? It doesn't have to be seasonal. I mean, it can be. Absolutely not. There was a period of time. Uh, there was a little cactus garden that uh, mm-hmm. was off the back porch, and every year we'd just get a different mm-hmm. cactus to add to the cactus garden. I think you know. I mean, if you're if you're looking for a, for gifts just from the garden center or nursery in general, it's a great place to go for very practical things, and also you know very economical things. So, you know, giving somebody, especially if they're in a new home. <clears throat> Excuse me, or if they're redecorating their yard, you know, any, you know, find out what kind of theme they have and what their, you know, what their landscape plant palette is like before you give them something. I mean, you don't want to give somebody if they've got a more of a cactus xeriscape feel in their landscape. You you, you may not want to go give them a banana tree, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I just think any any kind of plant. Put a red bow on it, and it's Christmas, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so most nurseries and garden centers will make you a red bow. And <clears throat> but, on, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And even though it's the frost cloth is out, um most anything unless it's extremely tropical, uh you could still plant this time of year. Well, it's a great time to plant things that are not frost tender. Uh so so cold hardy trees and shrubs which you know, most of the things that we plant are there. There's, you know, if you think about the things that that need protection or are sensitive, it's a pretty small percentage of our entire plant palette and landscape planting here. So, most all of your desert adapted trees, uh, it's a great time to plant those. You know, and to get them in, there's no stress. I mean, the ground is we've we've had some rain. The ground is pretty moist already. The days are short. They're cool. The transpiration, the stress of of a plant losing moisture when you plant it. You don't have to, you know, you can water it in once and probably don't have to water it for days afterwards uh, to keep the soil moist. So, yeah, plus, plus, you don't sweat much when you go out and dig holes this time of year. <laughs> it's a different kind of sweat. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a great time to be physically active in the yard and, and garden because, you know, you don't have to worry about how how hot it is and how hydrated you got to stay and <laughs> uh, all that we, stuff. So the shovel handle's not hot and, you you know. We've had a couple nice moisture uh, episodes the last couple of weeks. Yes. The ground's still wet. It, and even though 
there's been frost on it in the morning. It's not a frozen ground. Well, we so don't you, have to worry about punching through, yeah, permafrost. <laughs> no, so you got a nice, nice moist ground to to go in and dig and create your uh, your planting hole. I was going to say the nice thing about the cold weather, of course, you need chill hours for the citrus, but the bugs. R.I.P. I haven't seen a bug or anything oh, well, bother true. me in a, in weeks and months. True, mm-hmm. yeah, and and. Uh, Chill hours is stone fruit, scary, not not citrus. Ah, but, stand corrected. Uh, yeah, apricots, peaches, plums, and we're getting close to that time of year too. In the bare root or deciduous fruit trees, uh, roses are are starting to show up. Uh, you know, give the nurseries a little time, but right after Christmas, we'll be talking about roses and fruit trees. So, uh, you know, dwarf citrus is a great little gift idea for somebody if they've got a, especially if they're in a patio home or something like that. To, you know, they do great in containers. Um, I always like giving, you know, a little dwarf, uh, especially if they're, if they're somebody that likes, again, getting back to the cooking thing, a dwarf lemon or a dwarf lime. Because you get about the right amount of limes and lemons on a dwarf. If you have a full-size lemon or lime tree, you're usually yeah. overrun with – it's kind of like zucchini. you got way more than you need. <laughs> That's hard to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the ground under my lime tree looks like it's snowed – Yellow all winter long. It's, I just can't. If you need limes, come to my house, please. <laughs> and a dwarf citrus could apply to virtually any type of citrus plant. It's just the rootstock that, correct? That they're grafting the plant on that keeps it from being coming a full mature size. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any variety that that they don't have in dwarf. And if they don't, it's just because there's not demand for it. You know, but the major things: grapefruit. Tangerine, oranges, lemons, limes are all available in some type of dwarf tree. And when you're saying, you know, a patio home, I mean, you could you could put that in a whiskey barrel pot, right? Yeah, something about the size of a whiskey barrel, whether it's a, an actual barrel or it's a, you know, <clears throat> fifty-five gallon drum cut, or, half, a, or, or a concrete pot, or a clay or terracotta pot, or ceramic. That's about the size you need. And make sure it's got drainage. If you're going to use a 55-gallon barrel like my redneck friend over here, <laughs> drill, <laughs> make sure you put some holes in the bottom of it. <laughs> you can just turn all kinds of good old metal stuff into planters. Truck That's beds. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, true. <laughs> We're going to be talking about holiday traditions. The Harpers have had a fun one, uh, tamale making, that has been a highlight here. We uh, get to enjoy that once a year. Yeah, i got to bring yours by. um, But we do. You get together every year and just did it uh, a week ago. Um, I think we're on our fourth generation of of making tamales for for, – Christmas and uh, you know anybody that that thinks that tamales are expensive in the store just needs to make some. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know why they cost what they cost. Can you explain what the Harper family getting together making 
the holiday tamale, what does that look like? How many, <laughs> at, what, what does the assembly line look like? Yeah. What music is in the background? Um, and what are y'all nourishing yourself with as okay. you do it? To, right. Tell well, us what that looks like. So Feliz we, Navidad on loop the whole time. <laughs> uh, well, not not on no, but we do have Christmas music playing. And uh, uh, we do it at my brother and sister-in-law's house because they've, they've got a pretty good setup for it. And outside, n- cross your fingers, and almost every year the weather is nice enough we can do it. Out, you know, outside it's still comfortable. We've had some years – well, we still do it outside, but it's just not maybe as comfortable under the patio. So we have two tables, uh, like a eight-foot folding table set up. So you have two lines, one person on each side of the table. So technically, we have four, four rows of uh, of uh, assembly line going. You take, uh, you buy, you buy corn husks. Uh, we don't make our own masa. We go, we buy the masa at you know Food City usually. And that's <clears throat> a main ingredient to tamales. Well, you have to. So you take a corn husk, mm-hmm. and we soak them good so they're so- pliable, and you, then you take the masa and you smear. Masa, which is like cornmeal, basically. Okay. Right? Um, you you cover the the corn husk with that. To keep it so that from person into the meat. That person smears. So you got a smearer. <laughs> <laughs> he smears, passes it down, and we call it a dauber. So somebody daubs the meat into the middle of that, and then they pass it to the next person, and that person. And we we when I was a kid, my grandpa. Made them tie both ends of the tamale. So you you rolled it up and then you took little strips of of corn husks and you tied each end of the uh, and that's torture. That's a nice that's, look. That's, 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 like well, a, they're beautiful, aren't they? I mean, it really is. It's gorgeous. Like it's a artwork. Present. Yeah. But it's it's like cruel and unusual. Punishment. <laughs> so the kids got to tie them. Yeah, the kid. Yeah, yeah you, that was the that was the you graduated up. <laughs> from different jobs, right? So that's the. Um, so now we we uh, we actually fold them, and then we roll. We take that and we roll it in like a wax paper, and then so somebody does that, and then we put them in a big tin, and then when the tin is is relatively full, we had uh, I think like ten uh, roasters or tamale. So you have a. You have a source of heat in a, in a big pot with some water in it and then something to keep the tamales from getting. So you steam them. And, you know, that takes – that's the longest part. So, you know, we get through them pretty fast and then you got to steam them. So we do a, we do a batch of red, red chili tamales or red meat tamales. And then when we're done with that and those are cooking, we clean up and we get uh, a masa that's got corn in it and we make – uh, either a green chili or a green corn tamale, a batch of those. So I think around thirty dozen, all total. <laughs> and now there's you know so there's little kids helping now. The next generation is starting to help. And as long as you have uh, the margaritas flowing, um, everybody everybody hangs Continues in there and working. has a good time. <laughs> now towards the end, the tamales get a little uh, ununiform. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones you, you eat first. Yeah, it? yeah. And then when we're all done, then we everybody has made either uh, green chili or uh, my mom had a very good bean recipe. 
uh, and so we may have a pot of beans, a pot of green chili, uh, and uh, and then we consume the tamales and and uh, have a Mexican food uh, dinner Feast. when we're Wonderful. done. Yeah. And tamales are one of those things that if you're going to have guests all day long, you can put a big batch in a crock pot on warm and just yeah. have them there all day long or at a rodeo, just have it at the side of the trailer in a crock pot on warm and all day long, you could just come by and grab one, and uh, and they're even one of those that, that you can eat it cold too. I mean, it's I, I like them a lot better warm, but it's one of well, those foods you done can that, eat. Throwing them in my lunch for, on a hunt, little hunt, hunting or hiking trip, and had them. Uh, you know, they're great. You know, once they're because they're already cooked, so all you got to just heat them up now. Uh, throw them in the microwave for you know a little bit, and got a quick dinner. True or comfort on, food. On, on the hike, I wrap them in foil and just put them on the exhaust manifold. You can do that, <laughs> uh, or in the if it's warm enough, in the just up in the window on yeah, the dashboard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's our that's our day. That starts at about ten o'clock in the morning, and oh, I think we got done about just about dark. You ever do what? dessert uh, tamales? We have not. Um, yeah, no, we haven't. It's just because you you know you. You got to kind of close it down, start another deal, but uh, don't don't give one. anybody any ideas, Gary. <laughs> well, yes, we like main and dessert from now on. And I say that because Los Sombreros, uh, one year, and it, I don't know if they still do that. They make a dessert tamale with Mexican chocolate, and I took mm. a risk, and it was worth taking. It was delicious. Very good, huh? yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, those well, are a great, great, great Christmas gift with they are. a work of love. I have a couple other well, ideas. That, getting well, off that's plants a, a little bit. I'd, I'd love to go into that, but let me just sh- let me just share one stark contrast. Uh, that's the contrast between Arkansas Baptists that moved to Arizona and Cajuns. Cajuns just dropped the turkey in oil, a lot less fooling around with things, and a lot more drinking. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Just get that thing cooked and get it out of the way. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jennifer on 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 gift giving. Plants. Oh, uh, sure. So I was just thinking, you know, there's a lot of people maybe who are traveling at Christmas and don't aren't home to receive a gift, or maybe they're in a small place now. They've downsized and they don't have room for a plant. So I was just thinking, what could you do in that arena? And last year I joined um, Arbor Day dot, uh, Foundation, arborday.org. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when you go on there for a, for a, for a, for a subscription, you get um, a year subscription to their, their newsletter or publication. You get two trees planted in your name, and you get 33% off at their store, and they've got some really cool stuff on there. So it would be some, nice to do that in someone's name you know, and give that as a gift. Does that get registered somewhere so you can, like, go see your tree? You know, I, they didn't say that, so I think that would be a very big job. <laughs> Where's um, my tree? Yeah. yeah. I, I think your name carved in the bark somewhere. Yeah. Um, but another good one would be um, Rails to Trails. It's not exactly a tree gift, but it gets people outside enjoying outdoors. And Rails to Trails is the um, all over the country where they take the railroad beds and turn them into trails. And I have been a member of that for several years, and it's really fun because you get to see the trails they're working on, and you you know you can go on their website and choose the part of the country you're interested in going in and find the trails, and get you outside to enjoy those trees. And right now, with a donation of thirty five dollars, you also get um, option to to receive um, socks and a little carry bag with the logo on them. So mm. that's kind of a fun one to support mm. as well. I really like that one. 
Um, but then I and these are abandoned railroads. Yeah, yes, for sure, Romy. <laughs> well, the Peabine Trail—that's the old yeah. Santa Fe Railroad in Prescott. You can—I've uh, hiked that, and I've also trained half marathons on there. It's a very, very nice trail. It goes behind Watson Lake. Uh, just look out for the air and skunk that uh, I ran into last time. <laughs> it's just really a fun way to hike and see the country. And then um, this one is not a gift, but I just want to offer it out there because I found this fascinating. On the Department of Forestry and Fire Management uh, website, um, there's a, a link called Arizona's Magnificent Tree Program. And if you just put that in your search engine, Arizona's Magnificent Tree Program, on that page is a link to a little video, and it has 25 of Arizona's champion trees. And I think they'd be really fun. Um, there are pictures, you know, of, of these trees with people by them so you can see their scope and size. But I think it'd be really fun you know, to make a make it a point to go around the state and see these trees. And there's also a link on there. If you think you know of a champion tree, you can nominate your tree. So that's just really fun. Yeah, we talked make, about that. You can that. make that part of your Sanderson staycation. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> With uh, Richard Atkins last week, just the difference between the legacy trees, mm-hmm. the champion trees, and, you know, the different classifications. And we do have some really incredible trees in Arizona that are on that list. And not all of them are far. I mean, some of them are... Uh, you know, obviously the desert plants are going to be down in the desert area. but And, and this, the variety of tree is, is pretty incredible. And just the fact that you could have a trunk that big in uh, Arizona is pretty cool. So. You know, another idea, this was an old tradition. When we were, when we were kids going to in grade school, um, most nurseries now still sell a potted living Christmas tree. Uh <clears throat> My family would always donate to every one of our classrooms a a living Christmas tree for the classroom. Now, maybe they're not allowed to have Christmas trees in classrooms anymore. I don't know. But uh, then they would take that tree, uh, and this is where I'm headed with this, and they would plant it on school grounds. Was, you know, school grounds are in parks, and they're always looking for, you know, typically more trees. So you might contact the city you live in. And if you want to do something, buy a buy a potted living Christmas tree, and then you know, eventually you run out of places in your own yard to plant a tree. Or if you have, you don't have a landscape style that lends itself to planting a pine tree in it, um, you know, contact the Parks and Rec Department or uh, the maintenance department in that city, uh, a, a cemetery, uh, a park, a school, and uh, and they can plant that in one of those and make a donation so keep keep planting trees we got to get that urban canopy going so that's another you know kind of an on your own thing you get to enjoy it and then you know donate it to somebody and then you can go and look at your tree somewhere there you go yeah (laughs) there's a way to get that done yeah throws you on the house outdoor living hour we have one segment coming up house in phoenix and see how we can help him on this saturday morning good morning welcome to the program let me introduce you to mr jay harper hi aaron good morning good morning go ahead oh um, i've got a a plant in my yard backyard uh it's invading my lawn uh not sure what type of plant it is sort of like a vine it gets up into things 
got about a one and a half, two inch leave uh, in length. And it kind of, it's been sort of, it's sort of like a cancer, if I could describe it. It's, it seems to have roots and shoots that go underground, and then they start sprouting. Does it get a purple uh, flower on it? No. No. Okay. No, I haven't seen any flowers on it. Okay. Well, um, and it's in your grass lawn? Yes, it is. It, and it's, uh, have it's you, been getting worse and more. It's, have you overseeded? Do you have a winter lawn growing now, or do you let your lawn go dormant? No, we have a winter lawn now. Okay. But this has been going on for probably a couple of years. Okay. And uh, the longer I waited, the more it's spreading. Well, you should you should be able to use a broadleaf herbicide. Something if you went to the nursery or garden center, and explained to them what you have going on. But you know, you should be able to use a uh, something that would would not harm the grass, but would kill. Uh, the broad leaf or this vine that's coming up um, and spray it on there. And it's probably going to take multiple applications because, as you mentioned, it's rerooted and, you know, it's got a, probably an extensive root system going on through there. Um, but that that should uh, either slow it down or eliminate it altogether. It, it, be patient. It's going to take probably some time. Uh, and you may not see great results in the colder weather uh, with that. But um, that's probably how I would attack it if it's that widespread. You know, um, don't start trying to pull it up and dig it up because sometimes you just end up breaking it off and and that can maybe make it even worse. Um, but that's that's the route I would take. Take a sample of the leaves in with you wherever you go. Tell them this is what I've got growing and, and make sure you tell them it's growing in uh, in grass, in a yard, lawn, and so they can advise you as to specifically what products to use. But that should take care of it. And he did not overseed, correct? He did. Oh, he did? Like okay. That. Yeah, which is fine. Um, you could be a little more aggressive uh, and perhaps use something different if he had a dormant Bermuda lawn growing, but that's, that's okay. We can handle it this way, I think. And for those that have a winter lawn that's planted in now we've still got to make sure uh, fertilize it. Absolutely. I, I don't think uh, we've needed to water it in the last two weeks, and probably at least another week. You know, there are some winters where we've not, you've not had to water a winter lawn all winter. Um, you know, we get if you get every two weeks, you get in that cycle, and hopefully, knocking on wood, <laughs> we're, we're going to be there. Uh, you know that you you can pretty much go with the whole winter without water. You should have your water system turned off right now. <laughs> Hopefully, you've got it on the rain or off or bypass whatever language your controller uses on that switch. Please have it off um, and uh, make sure you're fertilizing the winter lawns. Well, the proof usually is in the putting after we have a couple of good frosts like this. It can yellow out your winter lawn pretty good if you if it's not. Uh, fertilized adequately. So you might want to get some on there in the next few days if you haven't. And mowing it, that's one we can let get a little longer than we let the Bermuda get. You can. I mean, it's just a matter of personal taste, you know, how you like it to look. If you like it a little longer grass, you know, it's a nice thing about what I call real grass. (laughs) (laughs) You know, rye grasses, blue grasses, these cool season grasses that are you know, more of a long blade than our Bermuda, which is a stoloniferous spreading 
kind of a grass um, that likes it really prefers to be cut relatively short. You know, if you like to see stripes and you know in your lawn and see let them get a little longer, that's that's perfectly good. Actually, that's a that's a good way to not have to water as much. The longer you can let your lawn grow and it shades the the soil beneath it, you know, it doesn't need as much water either if you don't keep it cut quite so short. That is one thing I used to do mm-hmm. when we had a winter lawn on the in the backyard is would cut different designs. You know, one time I might cut it at, a, uh-huh. at an angle, you know, horizontal this time, vertical next time, or you know, just something different, random. It was just something fun. The kids liked it. And yep. it was, uh, it, mow, mow one way, one direction, one way this, you get the different you know, variations looking where it's pushed over one direction or another. Even cool. change your blade height. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. You can get pretty creative. <laughs> So, and you know what's interesting? Uh, I talked about not getting our Christmas tree until yesterday. I have my ryegrass seed, but it hasn't been planted yet. And in the shaded areas of our yard that mm-hmm. the mulberries protect most, most of that last year's ryegrass is back. Right. It, it will do that. Or sometimes never even completely go away if it's deep enough shade. Um, but, yeah, they'll they'll come back. Um Sometimes not quite thick enough, but uh, no, definitely not as. Uh, but certainly thick, and and that's a good point. If you haven't planted your winter lawn yet, maybe you had an event or something that you didn't want to do that. You you can do it all winter long. It's going to be a little slower coming up now, but it doesn't take as much water <laughs> to keep it to get it wet and keep it moist. So, you know, don't not do it if you've planned on doing it and you didn't get around to it. You could still do it. And if you or can if find you just, the seed. Yeah, and if you have the seed and just decide not to do it, keep that seed in a dry place. It doesn't go bad over, you know, in one year's time. You can you could plant it next year. I always kept a little bit of seed. Um, a lot of patch touch areas. up and patch and everything else. And then I would use that seed first next year. And you know, it, you never have a problem. Good. Good tactic. And what is the cover? I mean, it, it usually says right on the bag what the coverage is. Uh, I oh, average is ten to fifteen pounds per thousand square feet. If you depending on how thick and luxuriant you want it to be, you know, you can go up or down from there. Okay. All right. Well, Jay Harper, the farm's choice. Thanks yeah. for spending your Merry Saturday Christmas morning with us. Out Romero's. Merry Christmas yeah. and. Well, you got what one week left, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christmas so if you Eve haven't next started Saturday. shopping. Get with it. <laughs> Find your local nursery. <laughs> yeah, that's right.